Hey, Osiris listeners. We want to tell you about our friends at Sunset Lake CBD who support this show. Sunset Lake CBD is a Vermont hemp farm crafting affordable CBD products designed to help with sleep and stress without breaking the bank. If you haven't tried CBD before, take it from me, it's a game changer. I use Sunset Lake's tincture every night before I go to bed, helping me get solid, restful sleep. And their gummies are great for daytime. Check out their new Good Vibes gummies, which have just a bit of hemp-derived THC to help you relax and unwind. Sunset Lake CBD crafts products with hemp grown on their family farm and ships them directly to customers. They have tinctures, salves, edibles, coffee, smokables, and even pet products. By the way, their CBD chocolate fudge is awesome. Check them out today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use coupon code TIME for 20% off all products. Sunset Lake CBD, farmer-owned, Vermont-grown. What's up, y'all? I'm Otio. And I'm Mike, and we are on Patreon. Get on the bus, you guys. Get your bus pass. We put out an additional episode every week where we answer questions from you. Or sometimes we may just get off on a tangent about something important or cool that happened that day or a couple days ago. Yeah, it's Otiel and I catching up and you are invited. So if you head to patreon.com slash comes a time pod, uh, you can join us. Uh, you can get the bus pass. We have some incredible merch coming soon. Uh, we've got a lot of great surprises. So uh, we would love to have you guys head on over. Yes. Most of all, we want to connect with you. So uh, get on the bus, y'all. Happy New Year's, folks. Yeah. I'm Mike. Welcome to Comes the Time. I'm O'Teal. You're on the microbus. Yeah, bro. And you know what? We're starting 2021 with Jeha. Ah, Jen Hartswick. I love this lady <laughs> so much. She's so cool and so talented and so beautiful and so just glowing, you know? That was an awesome hang we had with her today. God, it was so neat. I knew it was going to be like that, too. She's just, I don't know. I, I feel like she really does kind of perfectly embody everything that we wanted to, like, be a theme of this podcast going into it. And she, like, nailed all of it. <laughs> she really did. I mean, she's coming off eight show or four shows with Trey that were, I mean, life vests. To all of us and you know a very successful endeavor on trey's end raising over a million dollars for the divided sky fund and i mean and just to hang with her to hear her tell story i mean we know her from different like planes and different levels and whatever and um i told her at the time i met her like drunk at a party and i don't think she remembered but it was great and uh yeah it, she's just from the moment I don't know. She's just incredible. She brings so much energy to everything she does. Yeah, she's someone that uh, is uh, beautifully, uh, gently, intentionally uh, spiritual and loving and just everything. Yeah, I, I think people are really going to enjoy this one. Great, great way to start out 2021. It's the first Goodbye, day. 2020. Goodbye. Yeah, don't let the door hit your hiney on the way out, you jerk. What a crumb bum year. Um, you guys are in for a treat if you follow the other podcasts on the Osiris Network because 
<clears throat> dun, dun, dun. Oteal is on Eric Krasno's podcast this week. Eric Krasno plus one. Yes, and we had a good time. Boy, does time fly. We were like, wow, we've known each other over 20 years. Really? <laughs> wow. Okay. But yeah, good stuff. <laughs> nice. And uh, I hang out with uh, Mr. Tom Marshall uh, on Under the Scales to discuss some fish lyrics, which is always a hoot. And uh, so you could check those out if you're fans of ours. And there's a million other amazing podcasts on the Osiris Network. So check them all out at OsirisPod.com. And our Patreon, chug, chug, chugging along the highway on the bus. We, uh, we, we, we do that every week at Patreon.com slash Comes a Time Pod. We got an extra episode with Easy e hanging out with us. And uh, shout out to Eric for the unbelievable everything. Everything you hear and see is done by the Osiris team. Me and O'Teal are the least talented members of this crew. And um, from when we hit stop to when you hear it, it goes through a chain of very talented people. Eric being the first, and uh, that Lego video that he made, unbelievable. You're the best, Eric. And if you guys want to hear from Eric, you should join Patreon. He, that's, he, that's the carrot we dangle to get you to join is Eric. <laughs> that's a big carrot. A good one. <laughs> it's a tasty carrot. All right. Well, enjoy, Jen. Happy New Year. Take some Advil. Drink some Pedialyte. And uh, we'll catch you next week. Peace. 2021, baby. Visualize an attack. Okay, I will try to be unfunny. No. And um be funny. just for the sake of Kavi. It's impossible for you. Well, what if I what if I try? <laughs> no, don't. <laughs> if she wakes Jen, up, it's all yeah. right. Jen, you and I hung out. Welcome oh. to the program. Hey, Jennifer thanks. Hartswick. What's happening, everybody? How are you? I'm fantastic. You sound amazing. Thank you. I've been working on my speaking voice. <clears throat> I need to get that microphone that you have. What is that? I'll never tell. It's a <laughs> trade secret. You want to know what this is? I'll tell you what this is. This... You can text me if you want to keep it a secret. No, what the hell, man? I <laughs> no, want to know. Eric wants to know. Mike wants to know. Sorry, it says Eric, Eric really large on my screen. Um, no, here's the deal with this microphone is that um, I don't have any sort of home studio situation or I didn't. And then the world collapsed. And I was like, well, you know, everyone has to be an amazing engineer and work from home now. Sorry. Uh, and so my buddy who lives here in Nashville is an amazing songwriter and has a studio and a mobile studio and a back up to the studio. And so he just gave me a bunch of his gear. And he was like, I made a record with Megan Trainer on this microphone here. If it's good enough for her, it's good enough for you. I don't wow. know what it is, is the, is the point of the story. So I don't have an answer for you, but it's... Chris Galbuda's microphone, and I'm very grateful to him for all of his gear that's sitting in here. <laughs> it is so true how, like, now you had to look through, like, what you have to become a home, yeah. like, IT director. Yep. I had, I, I had nothing. I who had nothing. Um, <laughs> mm -mm. I had nothing. I had no idea how to run anything.
It's but it's like a, a uh a black hole. Like I was so psyched when I lived in Atlanta, I had a little studio in my basement and I just realized that I hate engineering because I spend so much time trying to fix some technical problem. Now I forgot right. Right. the actual musical idea that I had and yeah. I ended up like recording it on my phone. I was like, really? I spent all this money so yeah. I could do a voice memo on my phone? Yeah. Like, this sucks. <laughs> so. Yeah. No, sometimes it's just easier. So I have a, um, a guy that I work with here in town who I've been working with for years. He knows what I'm going to do before I do it. He knows what I'm going to ask for. It's all that. And he's the fastest at everything, gets the most amazing vocal sounds and all of that kind of stuff. And so like, I can do stuff here if I want it to take me all damn day, or I can just be like, Hey Greg, you got 45 minutes and it's done. And I only have to do the take once or twice because there's no technical issue. So I, I very much still rely on him. That's cool. There's a couple talented people in Nashville, you know, a couple. Yeah. A handful. Go figure. I'm glad yeah. you found the few. Yeah. Yeah. I found the one guy. Jen, I'll tell you one of the greatest experiences was in, in when I was in Nashville doing the wild West comedy festival at Zany's, mm -hmm. we were hanging out afterwards at a, one of those places that has like the, damn it. I got to remember the name of it, but it was like a honky tonk bar mm -hmm. and the waitress who was serving us she gets the call that she's up next and she takes off her apron and she tunes up her acoustic and she sits down and she had the most unbelievable voice. It was just like oh, yeah. any other state. Yeah. She's the best singer in the whole. And then she does her two or three songs. About 60% of the people pay attention. I'm like blown. I'm Riveted. like one of those cartoons where like <laughs> the wolf and his tongue rolled out and his eyes are this big. Yeah. And um, she puts her apron back on and just goes back to work. And I'm like, Jesus, the talent in this town that's just hidden away in little pockets yeah. it's yeah. unbelievable no that's sort of the mo of the whole city you know and every style too people don't realize like yeah. there's heavy blues cats jazz cats like every yeah. kind of thing yeah, yeah it's just sort of, of a way of life type. it's sort of this underlying you just assume that everyone you meet on, on the street or whatever is somehow involved in music it's just like sort of an underlying thing that we, that so many of us share. I always That's like going to Ernest thing. Tubbs and walking around and checking out the record store when I'm there too. Yeah. It's such a classic place. It smells like old yeah. vinyl yeah. sleeves. <laughs> yeah. You and I hung out one time so randomly. We were at in <laughs> Southern Connecticut at a at a someone's house party. And it was in the early 2000s. And you called me Sarcastic Mike that night. You gave me that name. And the band was playing Tore Up Over You. And we were singing Tore Up, Tore Up, like outside, like, you know, up on the lawn watching them. And we goofed off and had such a great time. And then we never saw each other again. Where was this? Southern Connecticut. Way down, like, I don't know, maybe like Greenwich, Connecticut or something. It was like someone's party. And you wow. and a friend and me and a couple of buddies just happened to be there. And we were like next to each other drinking and just had a, we were cracking up laughing. And I believe that story because I'm a jerk and I would definitely call you sarcastic. Mike. It sounds I like something a, I would do. I, I took it as a compliment. Yeah, you know, I was no, like, no, no, for sure. We had such a fun oh, time. And then, well, it's nice to see you 19 years later. Yeah. Well, I was telling O'Teal what's incredible is I recorded my comedy album at your brother's club. You did? I'm, I'm extremely close with Nathan. Oh, that's so yeah. awesome. So it's just so wild to, I tell wow. him I see you. I tell you. Yeah. I you. So. Well, tell him I said hello. Will do. Tell him to call. <laughs> he never calls me anymore. <laughs> 
Oh man, it's so good to see your face. Ah! I usually get to see you so much more during the year because we we know. end up doing something. Man, <laughs> I really am like I'm at my limit. I swear. You just got to do these awesome shows at yeah, the weekend. Thank you so much, man. You killed it, Jen. Oh, thank you, but thank everybody involved for that, man. What a lifesaver for so many of us and so many other folks and. Man, what what an incredible experience. How long had it been since you played when you did that show? Uh, I mean, I got sent home from a run March 15th. So March 15th. It was the last, I think that was the last show I did in New York City too. It's pretty funny when you're, yeah. Yeah, because we were supposed to do shows in April. Um, We have a jazz fest. Was that... One of them we had we, we had also had that run out in the northwest. The west, oh, we were with like go Eugene to and stuff, you know, like all oh. that. That yeah. No, <laughs> sorry, I love you. I'm sorry, I won't bring it up again. <laughs> but oh. it's funny when you're talking to musicians about about that time period, about March, and it's like you don't even need to say the number, like the date. You're like, well, we did the show on Wednesday. And then by yeah. Thursday, it's all the same week. It's like, well, by Thursday, we knew we had to come home. I had a show on Saturday, which felt super irresponsible. And we went home on Sunday. Like, that's the same story for everybody. You don't need to say what yeah. week of what year we're talking about. Everybody right. has the same story, pretty much. Yeah, ours was super irresponsible, but it was sold out in Madison Square Garden. It was just like, <laughs> and but literally, it was that morning that they said New York was the epicenter. So it's like, I'm doing the uh, show, and then we're getting out of here, which was and- our plan anyway yeah but how many people came like was it sold out oh, did it feel it sold out packed and yeah. a bunch of people got sick like my friends yeah um uh, who are listening right now or will be when this airs yeah. for sure yeah and uh it was you know i felt bad but you know we got it too me and uh jess and both kids so it was oh, like, oh man, yeah, and it, we we breezed through it, but yeah, yeah I, I look back and I'm like, wow, we we probably shouldn't have done that show, but you know, there was so much on the line. I know that you know, like we're just gonna do it and skedaddle. But man, it must have been great. I'm assuming before you did the Beacon shows with Trey that you guys did some rehearsals. Right? Yeah, not much though. So really? yeah, so it was an eight week thing. I came in. I was there for the last four shows, um, but I had to be in town because it was still like during the 14 day, they've since changed the rules and whatever, but I had to be there for 14 days. Um, And so because of all this, like, it's not a normal show. It's not a normal scenario. No one's, you know, it's a free stream. You're talking about an organization where there's an entire band, an entire crew, a local crew. Like these are, there's a lot of people who can't do this for free and a lot of expenses and hotels and travel and all this kind of stuff. And then you add the extra two weeks onto it. And, and so now it's just sort of, anyway, my point is that some people um, who lived close enough by where like, I'm just going to go home for a couple of days every week. And they would go home and come back. All the guys who live in Vermont would go home on Sunday morning or whatever, Saturday, Saturday night and go home for a couple of days and then drive back down. And so there wasn't really like a whole lot of rehearsal. It was 
a lot of conversation and a lot of like, hey, check these out, which sometimes sticks and sometimes doesn't. Sometimes <laughs> you show up to the one day of rehearsal and he has wildly changed his delicious mind and says, hey, here's 20 brand new songs you've never heard of. And you say, okay, I love you. Which has been happening for 22 years in my personal experience. So it's oh, nothing new. So fine. incredible. We come in ready. It's fine. I remember when I first was doing Vita Blue and, you know, we didn't do it that way in the Almond, but we're just constantly learning yeah. new songs. Yeah. And I hadn't done like the Jazz Fest thing, which, you know, after yeah. like playing with you and all those super jams and actually doing your game, I was ready to learn. I'm like 25 at a time. Yeah. On, you know? So I'm doing Vita Blue and like every day. Yeah. In the bus, Paige would be like, hey, I was listening to this and yeah. you know, I thought maybe we could try this out at Soundcheck today and maybe do it tomorrow. So, you know, by the end of the week, we've got seven new songs. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and I'm getting kind of miffed a little bit. Like, I never told him. I guess I just told him. Yeah. But, you know. I no, just... if you're not used to it, it's an insane way to live. But that's the way that they live, and it's fully normal for them. And anybody who associates with them, you just know that that's the deal. Like, Amazing. It's so great. It's, and I, I, I asked my bent. We love working. Sorry, I'm. No, you go ahead. We, you know, we, we all love working. And for us, like, you know, a normal day in normal times, you know, we, when we're on tour, we leave the hotel at two, we're at the venue by two 30. We rehearse sound check from two 30 to five 30. We work the entire time. There is no, like, it's just work. And then you eat dinner and then you play a four to four and a half hour show. And that's a normal work day. And then at a certain point, some some years ago, maybe 10 plus years ago, 15 years ago, there was a shift in personnel where he had Tony Hall and Raymond Weber playing with the with Tab. They were like amazing, you know, New Orleans, whatever. But they were like, what? <laughs> what is this? <laughs> like, man, a set that's more than 45 minutes is like useless what are you doing like they you know what i mean it's just a way of, it's a way of life and so they were not pleased and never got used to it um and complained <laughs> about it a lot but you know listen it is what it is take it or leave it and the, the thing is now i ask it of my band members yeah like i had all these i had some gigs booked down here that we had to cancel i know but I like saw. The, the closer we got to the gigs you know we're talking about oh yeah let's do like the full version of this or yeah you know that part that they didn't do yeah that they stopped doing let's bring back that old part and let's oh let's do this old version which then led to me finding out other things which then led to me adding like 15 new <laughs> <laughs> tom guarna who's like a jazz guy that i brought into this and fortunately he's like embraced it because he's feeling yeah. it you know and it's all new to him but yeah. i was like yo man sorry this is kind of how it is I, yeah. I remember when i was in your shoes and now i'm like yeah. i got the i got the covid you know yeah i'm listen it's you know it it, it keeps your brain working you know what i mean yeah. Like some I mean, people do crosswords. Some people have 45 hour rehearsals. It's fine. It and, keeps your brain working. And who the hell does eight shows? Not, no, no repeats. repeats. No, no, you know, 13 nights at the garden. No repeats. That's the thing. That's just so cool. 
cool. Like, yeah, it is. Cool. <laughs> I mean, that's really the thing. When you got, when you found out that it was what it was, where you're going to be facing the back wall and the whole thing. What was that <laughs> yeah. like? I just thought, what a what a brilliant thing to do because there's a couple there's a couple reasons why it happened. But number one, you know, no one felt like facing an empty hall. It was like depressing. And like, what a cool experience for other people to get to see what we normally see. Um, and plus, like, they could do all this. Mark Janowitz did all this super cool stuff with lighting and putting lighting in the seats and up in the back, like physically not to trusses, like physically on the floor. Um, and so it, it actually sort of, from our perspective, we faced the black wall and like all the ropes and pulleys and <laughs> the kind of stuff that happens. And it kind of felt more like we were just having like a fun rehearsal at SIR if you didn't look behind you. So it kind of, it lends itself to a little bit more, um, I don't know, less pressure almost, which, and obviously there, you know that zillions of more people are watching that it's, it's just a mind fuck, you know, like, it's, yeah, it's, totally. it, you know, uh, we know that more people are watching than could ever fit in the weekend, but at the same time, it's sort of just, like, just us. And we're just in this weird black box and no one claps after we that's the thing that's so goddamn weird so like i'm in my it's house like weird. dancing around <laughs> i like dragged my tv outside and built a huge yes. fire and like watched yeah. it with the woods in the backyard and and i'm like going nuts outside jumping around a song would end and you'd hear nothing <laughs> and then yeah. you hear trey go oh wait oh yeah. <laughs> sergeant pepper 31 so yeah, he's yeah. folding laundry. Thank you for folding laundry. Thank yeah. you for and and just watching you guys laugh and it well, did feel. We also laugh because there's a really awkward song. <laughs> <laughs> it was like the song ends. We're like, <laughs> <laughs> hope what anybody liked that. Hi guys, life's so weird. weird. There yeah. was a roar going on. You just couldn't hear it. Yeah. Well, what happens like in in when you're done dancing? Are you by yourself? Or are you well, with family? I, I, I've had my calculated risk club that <laughs> okay, I, yep. I have my two or three friends that are just as paranoid as I am. Yeah. And my wife's in healthcare. She's a nurse practitioner. Okay. So we kind of luckily November in New England stayed warm enough that we could yeah. be outside with like a hoodie and a jacket and a couple beers and yep. build a fire and be okay and stay far apart. But yeah, we're kind of bouncing around like idiots. And then I'd kind of have to pull it together and be like, shit, I'm in my backyard. Like, yeah. is my neighbor looking? And, <laughs> and it's not normally a thing that you would hear blasting out of a backyard because right. it's like there's a funk tune and then there's an orchestra yeah. that the string quartet's playing. And then yeah. like the acoustic. So it was just so, I mean, it was so cool that we all went through this weird new thing yeah. together because yeah. I mean like I, I had to do a couple of zoom comedy shows when this thing first started and it's Ooh. like you tell a joke and oh. then like someone's wi-fi kind of shits out and someone's oh. cat walks across the and you're like I can't I just can't <laughs> this is so crazy yeah, you're just doing crowd how. work about people's blankets and it, it's not it's awful <laughs> it's, not, it's not how it's supposed to be no. Some things are more successful than others. Yeah. So we were sending it through as far as we could back at you guys, yeah, man. No, it was so cathartic. It. God. Not good, man. No, for us too. Oh, man. I'm glad you're holding up. How have you been holding up? You're probably enjoying having more time with Big Chew. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, it's been such an odd blessing 
And I say this carefully because I know that people are super struggling. And in that, I find that like, you know, when you're having sort of this, these moments of feeling guilty for maybe enjoying it, right? That we're like somehow not supposed to feel like, like it's okay to enjoy it. I think that, you know, the, the opposite of, of um, guilt is gratitude. And so when I have feelings like that of like, maybe I'm not supposed to be feeling like this, I sort of just sink into gratitude mode a little deeper and say, you know, thank you for, for, for all of this. So, um, you know, none of us would have ever taken a month, two months, 10 months off ever. And so to be forced to sit down and sort of reevaluate was really essential. You know, for the first three months, I did nothing. You know, and people are calling me like, how are you, how are you coping? What are you doing? And I, I had like, I went so far inward. I was like, I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to talk to anybody about how I've been, what I've been doing, like how I've been coping. I just felt this like sense of this is like completely how I deal with it is completely unique to me. And it doesn't, it shouldn't matter to anybody else how I'm doing it. But I really like, I really, I shut off completely, but in the most glorious way. Um, and I really didn't start doing anything. I didn't start writing music. I didn't start playing music. I didn't start doing anything like that till probably four or five months in. And then I finally felt ready um, to do that. But, but what a, what an incredible thing to be home and um, we also just bought a house two months before this went down. Thank I remember that. God, the timing of that is like mind blowing. Um, and so we got to live in our house and move into our house and feel what it like, is like to live in our house, which is not something that it would have taken us five years to spend this much time at home, both of us. So um, yeah, for easy, cool. yeah. easy. I love the story. I've, I don't know. Uh, how much you want to tell of the of the early part of you and you, but I was, I was telling the guys, well, actually I was not telling the guys, I was telling them about the time that you told me the story of when Chu and your mom met because, or is it your grandmother? No, I think it was. Oh, with the. And with it was the, in Vermont. Yeah. With the truck, with the, that whole, th oh yeah, I'll tell that. So I, she was from Mississippi and doesn't function below 40 degrees. <laughs> he just doesn't know how to do it. Bless Sounds his like heart. someone I know. Mm -hmm. Doesn't, doesn't get it. <laughs> and so, and so you're very, you're extra tan, by the way, with y'all. Um, <laughs> extra sunny. Get that vitamin D, baby. Come on. Um, so Chu met my family at Christmas and we decided we would drive up there. Now, when I met Chu, he was a much bigger fellow than he is now. And like legit wouldn't like fit comfortably in an automobile. Um, and he's since lost probably like 160 pounds. Wow. Um, but he drove an H2. I mean, he drove a Hummer, a huge ass Hummer. And we decided that we were going to drive up for Christmas instead of flying. And so we it's it's december 24th in vermont and it was negative nine and he didn't know how to he didn't know how to function in that and he thought we were all crazy and he's like meeting my family for the first time and so anyway we pull the hummer into the driveway it's like snow flying everywhere snowbanks like 12 feet high and and my parents were there and my grandparents were there everybody meets having a good time whatever and my grandparents are very much like 
Vermonters. Like they appreciate machinery and they have tractors and they, you know, they log and they, you know, plow all the snow with this huge bucket. They're like, that's like a farm up there. Yes. And so, and, and they're both like that. My grandma has her own sawmill that like they <laughs> cut down the trees. She milled all the siding to build the house that we built in my, you know what I mean? This is like, this is my, Vermont. That's my dream. Yeah, it's Vermont shit. And they still have a wood stove, you know, it's all, anyway, so Classic. we're all having a great time. And then, you know, my grandparents want to see this Hummer. I've never seen one of these in real life. <laughs> and so he's like, all right, get in, I'll give you a ride. And so my grandma sits in the front seat and I climb up the thing. And she's at this point, 80 something. And so late eighties. And so she sits in the front, my grandfather sits in the back and we, they bought a bunch of land back when land was like basically free. So they have about 300 acres in Northern Vermont. Um, and so she's like, I'll give you a tour. He'd never been up there. I'll give you a tour. So they go roaming around in this Hummer, like through crazy, like, this is what a Hummer is built for. Your Hummer is happy. Like, so <laughs> come back to the house and everybody's all invigorated. And, and my grandma's ready to get out of the truck. And he says, no, ma'am you sit right there. And he walked around the front and he opened the door for her and he goes, grab my neck, granny. <laughs> he said, what? He said, grab my neck. <laughs> so she put her arm around his neck and he carried her. He said, he said grandpa, you okay? All right. And so he carries her into the house and set her down. She goes, whoa, whoa. I spent probably 80, 80 years since somebody picked me up. And from that moment on, she referred to him as her boyfriend. <laughs> she's like, how's my boyfriend doing? Still now, she's like 91 or 92. She just had a birthday. And she still how's refers to him as her boyfriend, my husband. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Good old Vermont. Yeah. I love Vermont. Growing up, Oteil, I used to go up to the Northeast Kingdom in yes. Vermont, which was way up near Canada. And Sounds my like friend's it. grandparents had Leo and Ruthie. They had a ton of land up near Lake Willoughby. Yeah, And um, we were kids and we would go running around the lake and stuff. And we saw a sign for a nude beach. Yes. And we went to it <laughs> thinking it was going to be like, you know, a nude beach. But it was a North Ver Northern Vermont nude beach. Just raisiny, pale ass skin. Just sags of just sacks of meat just laying on the it looked it was disgusting no one is under 68 i would say most yeah. of them are just like old droopy men who sit there with their like wind socks just out and hanging out it's like a horror movie it's yeah. like a bunch of sails that people couldn't fold back up yeah it's, it's like that in europe i remember <laughs> the first time i went i saw the nude beaches i was just like I have to eat later. Yeah. Like, please stop. He's really like some, someone lied to me. Whoever described to me what a nude beach was, was really yeah. lying hard. It's not, not like the marketing, but it's the guy with the enormous build beer belly and speedo. And yes. He's old, yeah. And you're just like, yeah. Yeah. We're no, glad in, you're comfortable, but at, at Lake Willoughby, there was a, a fellow who used to frequent the nude beach, like, I mean, almost every day. And he would wear a bright turquoise bandana and nothing else. And he would be on crutches and he would walk out like to like thigh <laughs> oh, level with his crutch. I used to there's, like, a, ask anyone I ever went to high school with or anything like, oh, yeah, the naked guy at Lake Willoughby. Wow. Yep. Oh, anyway, God, I know hilarious. it well. That's what I'm saying. I know Such it well. Such a beautiful. I love that area so much. Yes. Do you miss? Do you miss VT? I do. Yeah. I mean, I get up there a couple times a year and have a good hang. 
Um, it's been super weird this year, obviously. My my brother is psycho about the old COVID, so we hang out 25 feet apart and yell at each other. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, he's the owner yeah. of a small stage. Uh, that that yeah. club was the f- last club I headlined <clears throat> in 2020. It was the wow. weekend, the last weekend in February. I was up there doing shows. I did, f- I think, five shows or four shows, four shows. And I love them. And I, it was so yeah. nice to see them. But we kind of had heard of this thing coming. Yeah. And nobody knew what it was. And then literally three weeks later, it was that was the yeah. last travel I did was to Burlington. Wow. And I I love that city. It's got a, a soft spot, yeah. but it's sad. Yeah. Now I want to ask you a little bit. I know it's not freshly new out, but your solo album Actually, it's one of the first vinyl things that I bought in a while. Aww. And um, yeah, I got the whole like whatever package it was. I was so psyched. Got my t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. This was such a dope shirt. Thanks. This was a coincidence, folks. I did not wear this because them was coming on the show. But, you know, um, Christian McBride is one of my favorites, favorite bass players. Yeah. Uh, at one of everyone every great good musician's favorite bass players so can you talk to us a little bit about that and casarino my boy i mean these guys are like family now you know yeah yeah um so we if it's we recorded it i guess maybe three years ago now it came out two years ago um and i did a trio record with nick casarino and christian mcbride in the barn um where you know fish's barn that they've had since 2000 i guess um and i have spent so much time there over the last however many years um that it just seemed like the appropriate place to to it's so vibey and they took a 200 year old barn and moved it and then put insulation on the outside and built a whole new outside around it so so it wouldn't weather anymore so the inside's 200 plus years old and the outside is 20 years old um but it's just every every single fixture and everything that's in there nail everything has a story nothing is new and furniture is from somebody's great grandma and somebody's trip to india and somebody's whatever so um it just seemed like the right place to do that and um you know i had worked with christian once or twice really briefly nigel introduced us we played at tips together on um soul sister's birthday that's where i met christian and oh my god it was such a good it was so good um and we just sort of kept in touch and um the 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 truth of the matter is that i was up at the barn i have not told this story publicly because i'm going to sound like a whack job but it's you and i know you don't think i'm a whack job (laughs) anybody else that's listening judge away um (laughs) but i was making a record with trey at the barn um maybe three years ago and in the middle of a take i blacked out and in the blackout, I was in the barn making a record with Christian and Nick. Whoa. And, Definitely and I, not a the, nut job. Well, either way, it happened. So, and, I, and I sort of came to, I had missed my entrance. James and Allie were like, hello. But I was like, I'm sorry. And I kind of just like, I had to process what happened. But I saw the whole, I saw the whole setup. I saw the whole thing happen. I had not yet thought about it. I hadn't, that was just like a bloop, here you go. And so I started, um, I started a a plot to like make this happen. And at this point, 
you know, I didn't know Christian real well. I obviously have known Nick for my whole life. And so Nick and I had started writing and we started sending things back and forth. And I said, you know, what if we like, what if like he doesn't know that I sing? What if we like made some sort of like demos and I sent it to Christian and was like, is this anything that you might be interested in? Blah. Anyway, I would this happened for like a week and a half where all this planning went into it. And I get a text from Christian that is just a, a picture of the previous record that I had done. And all the text said was, you didn't tell me you could sing too. <laughs> and I was like, that's funny that you say that. Uh you want to make, oh no and then he said the, the last the last line of the text was you know the next record you do i want to be on it and i said well it's funny that you say that because yes apparently i uh, apparently we know that so anyway we set it in motion and we did it and we did it exactly like it was given to me and and the and that's nexus wow i don't know it, it really happened it's that's it's wild that's fantastic uh, the yeah. name too nexus because i feel like yeah. that's what happened like yeah. you've you both you know he came at you it, 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 yep. yeah and yeah. it's a magic record thanks like you know what i have, i forgot to tell you about this <clears throat> you know my kids have a playlist that i made for them and they want to hear the same songs all the time and yeah i slip some in there and sometimes i just can't i want to get away from it and they were fighting and i put your record on and it just went <sighs> You know, like and and I've yeah, it's interesting and and they'll but you know Nigel's looking out the window, yeah, this, you know and I was like, wow, things got magic, yeah, diffusing properties. Record. Yeah, how did you meet Nick Casarino? I met Nick Casarino when he was fourteen years old. He is from South Burlington, and um. And me being much older and wiser at 19 years old, um, I was judging a high school battle of the bands. <laughs> but Nick was a freshman. And I had to sit through this whole day of horrible, bless their hearts, bands. Um, and whoever put the program together obviously knew that Nick was a badass and he put his band last. And he was like writing music. Like he wrote good songs. And he was amazing. He's just this little pipsqueak. And obviously he won and I started hiring him for gigs pretty immediately following. So, I mean, that was 1998, 99, something like that. That's a year after I got the Allman Brothers gig. Yeah. I was like 32 then. Yeah. Wow. It's so amazing that Vermont Burlington kind of like family of musicians, it seems like whether it's Ernie Styers and Trey or whether it's Trey and yourself or whether it's you and Nick, it's like, seems like everybody kind of just is always looking out for younger talent and ready to yes. bring them up and say like, let's go. Let's not, let's not like, here's a gig. Let's play together. Like let's yeah. do it as a family. That's so neat. Yeah, you're totally right. There, there's a, a real um, sense of camaraderie and wanting to sh like sharing, you know, sharing your knowledge and your experience and, and also respecting that somebody might be 16, but like, look at what they're capable of. You know, no one has such an ego that they're like scared of that kid or like, eh, that kid ain't shit or whatever. It's like, it's always from a, a, a place of, of giving. And, and I think that's kind of like why I love Vermont so much uh, as a whole is like, people are really caring and kind. And at the same time, like mind their own business. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I can say this now living in the South where like, you know, that Southern hospitality is just really nosiness most of the time. <laughs> and Double-edged like, butter knife. You know, <laughs> anyway, I, I, I say a lot of stories, but I won't. But, I, you know, I think like growing up the way that I grew up, I grew up in the woods, man. I grew up with my core, my family and my friends. There was no Internet. Nobody cared what you looked like. It was about like, are you a good person? And, and what a blessing to grow up in that scenario where no one's looking at you. No one like cares about anything like that. And so, you know, for us, winter was like nine months out of the year. So you better find something to do. And so we practiced. And my mom came from a super musical family where her parents were like, we don't care if you don't go to school as long as you're practicing. And so she was one of five and they were like one of those crazy classical where like everybody's a savant kind of thing. And they would all have their corners of the house and they'd all be practicing for like four or five, nine hours a day. And as long as you weren't failing any classes, they're like, listen, whatever. (laughs) So we sort of had like a balance of that where we were expected to go to school, but also please just practice. And so, you know, you could, we, we played a lot outside. But we also, that was just sort of like part of our routine. So anyway, I don't know how I got on this tangent, but no, <laughs> Vermont. I love it because no, I, I remember yeah, when I just... first started playing there, I met Dave Grippo. Yeah. And I start, you know, you're meeting the the family. You're meeting the, the Vermont folks. Yeah. And I was like, wow, there's a real thing here. Yeah. You know, we played Nectars and all that, st- you know, early days with the Colonel. And yeah, yeah it's it's been... Uh, a through thing and then but i didn't get hip to nick till much later yeah you know i guess he was 14 he was he was four at that point but <laughs> i mean but dave grip is how i met trey dave grip is also how i met nick because nick went to grippo's school because he teaches at south burlington high school so grippo is also how grippo introduced me to you do you even you don't remember this because it was wow, so really? long ago <laughs> you were playing higher ground when it was the old higher ground yeah when it was yeah. Um, the old Denny's (laughs) Um, and I forget now which band you would have been with whether it was like ARU or Peacemakers or I don't remember but it would have been like around 1998 maybe or something ish and I was probably 17 or 18 and he Grippo called me up and he was like you gotta come you gotta come down here tonight and I was well aware of who you were um and that's the first time I ever saw you in real life. And we was, met that night. I can't yeah, believe. But it was super brief and there was lots of people there. But yeah. I was just drinking and, you know. The old higher ground was. I was too. After 17. So I was hammered. <laughs> I love it. I'll never forget. Yeah. I was up there doing something. I think it was Vita Blue. And uh, got up there and it was like 10 degrees or something. I was yeah. just. You know, I didn't even have it like I have it now in South Florida where we have right. no winter. Yeah. And um, they said, uh, I was bitching and they were like, oh, man, you should have been here a week ago. It was like <laughs> 10 below. And I just was like, <laughs> I couldn't even process. Yeah. I can't process anything below zero. And your your grandma's out there cutting wood. Oh, yeah. Making you know? boyfriends. <laughs> Making boyfriends, cutting logs. Yeah. Dude, Otil, the last time we were in uh, in Burlington, so February of nineteen of twenty, we were driving home, and to leave Burlington to go south to New York, you go like eighty nine to ninety one, 
And uh, we went to this little bagel shop, which was like a side road down into South Burlington, just because we wanted to kind of get out of the town. And there was this like almost like a monk, like cooking in like a stone oven with a giant like pizza, like you know, a, a, well, I don't know what you'd call it, like a big, like an ore. And he was making these bagels by hand and like dipping them in water. And he was like forming them and putting them on this plate and putting one in the stove, then taking another one out. And he was just this like pleasant little old, old guy. And he kept bringing over bagels for my wife and I to try while we were waiting for the sandwich. We must've eaten like <laughs> six, eight bagels. They were half, not even done like the inside was raw but we were just like oh thanks and we were just eating them and it was just like such a vermont moment like the old lady came and like threw more wood in the fire and i was just like god i love this place so unbelievable like i love every single thing about vermont it's so beautiful and then learning that fish was from there i was like oh that's the place i used to go when i was a kid with my buddy to his grandparents so like to go make pilgrimages to Burlington and see if like Trey or Mike was walking around, you know, like was yeah. the, but that's when you go to Red Square and catch Grippo Funk Band okay. and all these amazing musicians, dude. It was just yeah. so fun. Hey there, Osiris listeners. I wanted to tell you about our friends over at Smart Wool. For more than 25 years, Smart Wool has been making merino wool socks and apparel designed to keep you comfortable. Because they want to help you play, laugh, and explore in the outdoors with every thread they knit and every step you take. Because they believe that comfort sharpens focus and lets you perform beyond your limits. They are here to help you feel good. Now, it's up to you how far you will go. Take 15% off of your first order at smartwool.com. Smartwool. Go far, feel good. <laughs> yeah. I know little Nick was a little altar boy back then. <laughs> you know? Just like writing the dopest. Like some of the stuff that he writes, man. Yeah. He was telling me about, you know, writing stuff when he was really young. So I get the confirmation hearing it from you too. I mean, you're t- you know, like super young, 15, writing really heavy stuff, man. That's, that yeah, the, the so, name of his band at that time when he was a teenager, teenager was Old Man's Fable. Whoa. Okay. I was like, what was like one of your hit songs, kid? And he's like, Keeper of the Sand. <laughs> Who are you? Jesus Christ. Like, he's like from Lord of the Rings or something. Young Peter Gabriel. Who are you? Yeah. Keeper he of does. the Sand. It does feel to me like he stepped right out of Lord of the Rings. Yeah. You know what I mean? When I look at him, I'm yeah. just like, he feels like just mythical like that. Yes. He's so cool. I, I love that. That um, One of the things I love about you and him is y'all's complete, unabashed, like, spirituality. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I feel like <clears throat> people have kind of a whatever like it's hip to be it's hip to just shit on oh yeah other people's spiritual traditions you know and i i, I tend to take the other track where I, i'm looking i like, know there's something good in each of these because they couldn't have endured all their own bullshit for this right. long right you know they've been hijacked by each you know one by some nut job you know but like when kofi you know was near the end of his life you helped me so much like doing the Reiki thing. How did you get into all that? Yeah. Cause we, that's one of the themes of our podcast. We have the mental health and then we have the spiritual 
Oh, killer. You yeah. really helped me out during that time. Yeah. Um, I was 24. Um, it's sort of a, a crazy roundabout way, which is exactly how it was supposed to happen, of course. But um, my mom's best friend, like from childhood, they've been friends their whole lives, um, was having, you know, like an issue with her dog and found out that right down the street from her was like a world famous animal communicator. And so through this dog, my auntie, like, open up an entire world to our whole family and it's all through this dog like we give credit to the dog so this this woman her name is april frost she lives in danville vermont um and she's like the name of a nick casarino song danville april frost oh, oh. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could be um and so she does all kinds of things, but she's a, she's a Reiki master. She's an animal communicator. She had like a holistic uh, dog kennel where people could board their dogs. And it was always like an amazing place to go. And, and I just sort of like, she was offering certain courses and one of them was Reiki. And I was like, I don't know what this is, but I really like her. And I feel like I should just go. And I just went and I didn't really give it much thought. And it blew my mind. It changed my whole life. And then I went back and I went back and other people in my family were like, oh, that sounds really cool. And we just sort of, as a family, it, all in our own time. My dad was the last one. My grandfather got a tune before he passed away. Like, you know, it's like spans generations and stuff. And so um, I started practicing um, Reiki and I found it really um, sort of empowering especially being on the road when your circumstances are always changing and, you know, you can start to feel really helpless and it's this really beautiful tool to sort of, um, it's a help. It's just, it's help and it's help for you and it's help for other people who are interested in it. You know, it's nothing that I force on anybody. You can't force on anybody. It's like, you know, the, one of the first things you do is like ask permission of their spirit. You know what I mean? Like you can't just be like, I want to do this to you. Um, and you know, the first time that, that Kofi had his go round, I called my mom. My mom was a, oh, a motherfucker with that stuff. And you know, I was driving in a crazy rainstorm and I pulled over to the side of the road and I did like a Reiki session for Kofi right then and there under a bridge, like pulled over to the side of the road on the, on the highway. And I called my mom and I let her know what was going on. She doesn't know you. She doesn't know him, you know? Um, and she called me like an hour later and she, she just goes, Whoa. She's like, that guy's pretty, pretty tapped in, huh? <laughs> Meaning Kofi. And I say, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Oh. But I think it's family familial trait. So, <laughs> Anyway, later on, you know, some months later, I was chatting with Kofi and just, you know, told him that story just so that he would know. And then, you know, when we were at the cap, you and you and me, you know, I did some Reiki for you and whatever. It's just a, it's just a really lovely way to, to connect and settle and, and heal. So it's for real. The first person that ever did it to me was in. Knoxville, Tennessee. It had to be the late 80s, early 90s. Mm -hmm. Um Midori was her name. Wow. I had never heard of it. Yeah, what a great yeah, name. What a great and, name. And um, she, uh, 
it was the first time I'd ever heard of it. And she was like, you know, do it. so routinely if I do massages or anything, I just fall asleep. Like yeah. I lay down, I'm like, yeah. and I remember I was kind of going down into sleep and then I felt heat, like where her hands were going, like felt heat. Yeah. And I was like, and so now I'm not sleeping anymore, Yeah. you know, and I like open one eye to see and her hands right where uh-huh. I feel all this heat, but not real close to my body at all, right. you know? Right. And I was like, okay, that's real, mm-hmm. you know? So when you did it to me and I could feel it, something about my knees, I think you said. I don't even remember. Can't oh, remember. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. And I, and I could feel it. And I just knew, I was like, I know I need this. And I, and I knew uh, when you did it for Kofi, I was like, it's going to, it's hard to, for people that don't believe in that kind of thing, I understand. But when Kofi was out for a really, really long time, yeah, uh, you know, of course, I'm like trying to reach him, you know, just all the time. He's just in... We just visualize here in the Burbridge house, you know, and he woke up and when he, you know, he's real groggy and stuff. And then when he's finally like there, he goes, Otil, I could see you the whole time. And I just was like. (sighs) And he died soon after that. Yeah. So I knew I was like, okay, because the stuff that he was on. And the condition he was in, he was so far down. There was no like, you know, but if you spoke in his ear, you know, his hand would move very gently, you know, so that I've had, you know, obviously we both had many things happen where we could prove it to ourselves. Like I'm convinced, you know, but that one was just like one of the strongest that ever happened. Amazing. You know? Yeah. So I, uh, I advise anybody that if you're lucky enough to have well, Jen or apparently her mom do Reiki on you from wherever she's at. Yeah, in the planet. That, that's yeah. what I wanted to ask. So like when you said you pulled over mm-hmm. and did a session, you, you're able to like, it doesn't matter if you're you don't even have to be with the person. No. And there's, there's different levels uh, of um, ability and sort of like that. So the, and depending on who you learn from and, what their philosophy is and what way that they've learned to do it. There can be between three and 10 levels or something. And so the way that I learned was that there's like a sort of level one and a level two and then a master. And so the, the level one is sort of like gives you the ability and you work with it for a long time. You know, this is not a thing where you overnight would even want to be able to do that. But, um, and then you sort of go in with the Reiki master and do a whole other course for like a level two thing. It's course is a horrible word. It's like, it, it's so much more than that. But um, in, in that, in that sort of level two situation, you're like given the ability to now do it from afar or from like a distance situation. And then the only person who can, be that person for you is a Reiki master and they have to go through like, you know, it's like a lifetime of learning before you would ever consider yourself able responsibly anyway. Um, And so, yeah, I mean, it's all energy. It's all just, you know, like prayer is energy and whatever. Um, But yeah, it's not something that you have to be there touching them or, or whatever for, but Otil, you were saying that, that when she, 
her hands were like a little above you and you could feel the heat. The wildest thing to me is when you're so certain that like you feel that and then you peek open your eye and she's like down on your ankle. That's the wildest <laughs> shit is like it goes where it needs to go. And so yeah. that's like kind of the trippiest part to me is like when you're like, oh man, my, you know, my chest is so whatever, or sometimes it's freezing cold or sometimes it's just whatever it needs, you know? And then yeah. you're like, wait a minute, what are you doing down there? Anyway. Well, that happened we, with me with uh, acupuncture mm, and yeah. also, <clears throat> and this is what made me convinced that Chinese medicine was real, the meridians and all that stuff. <clears throat> um. I was getting my vasectomy <laughs> and you know, they've, I was kind of knocked out on volume with it, but, yeah. um, I guess I wasn't like all the way down. I wasn't as down as far down as I should have been. So when they're doing so, they're like cauterizing this one thing. And when they did it, I felt an electric shock up here wow. and I was like, and I moved it and I heard them far off say, he shouldn't be able to feel that, Yeah, you know? And then they did wow. it again. <laughs> And I Ugh. put my hand up and they said, <clears throat> are you awake? I was like, uh, yeah, whatever you're doing down there, each time you do it, I can feel it right here. Uh, you know, and they're down way farther than that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And so they yeah. did it again. I was like, yeah, 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 yeah. That's it. Oh. And they said, give them some more. And then I was like, <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> and, uh, but I remembered it when I woke up and I was like, hey, man, wow. what they were doing down there was affecting me in way inside and here. Same yeah. with when I got acupuncture and my back was bad. And, and the guy said, uh, I tried everything. I couldn't, I was normally able to touch my toes and I get, couldn't get down much farther than below my knees. Mm. And I asked the percussionist, he said, you in an acupuncture? I was like, needles in me, no. Yeah. So the guy, the guy said, if you, it doesn't work, if I can't get you to touch your toes by the time you leave, you, I won't charge you. And I was like, well, okay. I'm you down. Know? So I went... It was like one needle in the side of my foot, and I don't even know if there was another one, but there might have been one. So I got almost to my feet. He sat me on a table. He goes, get back up on the table, whatever. I touched my toes. I was like, pay the man, you know? (laughs) Like, what does that down there have to do with, you know? But it's all connected, and you got to keep that stuff flowing and that's why americans are so messed up because it doesn't flow and wherever it's not flowing something bad's gonna happen and it's gonna affect something somewhere else right you know and when you find those people and those masters that you know you come across you hold on to them (laughs) you know like my therapist is a is a hypnotherapist and i go as often as possible we haven't been able to do it since covid but before beforehand you know i'd go in and there were times when you could feel how bright the light and how warm everything is while my eyes are completely closed. And she would say afterwards, she's like, it got so incredibly warm in here and so bright mm-hmm. in here. Like when we were, and I'm like, you're kidding. You felt that too. And it's just this sort of when the energy goes from one plane of existence to the other, that's when you yeah. know that like, you know, when it crosses over, it's like, yeah, this is, this is definitely the real deal. And that energy is not bound by distance, by time or space. Time is not, I, I, I'll be as arrogant to say uh, that I know it. Yeah. <laughs> time is not just what this linear thing. 
Yeah. It's not what we think it is. And space isn't either. And now that, you know, the quantum physicists are figuring that stuff out. But, you know, it's just sad that people used to get burned at the stake for it or, you know, they try to shun it. And it's, it's that spirit thing where like even like an old grandma and grandpa <laughs> farm people in Vermont would happen onto it and be like totally open. This is yeah. the energy thing. A state of mind, a, a state of being, actually, an openness. I think it's love. I just think it's a love frequency. Yeah. And with that, all these magical things can happen. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's great. That's why I love thinking about Chu and your family because they're so. Remember the story yeah. you told me about Chu? A Chu is, is, like you said, Mississippi, big, tall, black dude. And he, it sh- I remember you saying, you know, he's so country O'Teal. Like one time I walked in the room and he had dumped out all this salt on the floor and was standing in it, took his shoes oh, and salt yeah! off and standing yeah. in it because his knees were hurting or something like that, you know? <laughs> and, and she said, but that shit worked. And I'm like, what? And then Jess was doing like an Epsom salt thing. And I was like, what's the difference? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. they know just those old kind like yeah. slaves knew it. Yeah, Slaves I forgot about that. No, he salt? had like dumped a whole like, you know, thing. he went to the kitchen in the middle of the night. It was a cramp related or something. And he poured it all over the bathroom floor and was standing in it. I was like, bro, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. Granny used to do it. Uh, okay. Like, okay. And it's like, you kind of don't, he didn't question it. He didn't say like, why does this work or whatever? It doesn't matter. Your granny used to works. do it. That's why you do it. It doesn't matter where she learned it either. You just do it. Yeah, especially it if it work. works. Like <laughs> whatever. Sometimes just the fact that. that Granny did it, yeah, is enough to heal the pain. You <laughs> exactly. Know? Exactly. It doesn't matter what she did. It could have been. She yeah. could have. Luckily, it was something soft like salt she's standing <laughs> like on. She used to not... punch me in the head. So <laughs> yeah, that she used, to, she used to put her head in the oven. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they need to. You guys. I hope y'all have videos of him with your family and you with his family. Yeah, we gotta I, get some. T- talk about. <laughs> reality show. oh my god oh my god you don't god. have to tell the whole story but when his mom met you she said she had these fingernails that are like really long well she still she still got them baby she still got them they're bright <laughs> so orange and this and she didn't like you like there was immediate threat oh my god that's why like she was so funny like he's so mellow about everything but like, God forbid, if I should like get a manicure and something other than this, it's like he has like a real. He's like, what are you, what are you doing? He's like, it's like his heart. He has like a full break breakdown. Like he's never <laughs> asked me to do anything in his entire life except please don't paint your nails like a crazy color. <laughs> the only thing in life. And now is I, that because she used to like to, wow. well, get him with it? Yeah, like so. I met the way I met her was also crazy. So he had a um, a really horrible uh, medical emergency and was in the ICU for many days in a coma in all like all of these things. And it's fairly early on in our relationship. And I found out where he was. I couldn't find him for days. I mean, it was, a, it was really super traumatic. But um, he was driving for he's driving some tour. And like just about went unconscious while he was driving the bus. It was a really bad situation. He ends up in a hotel room. He doesn't know what's happening. And he calls me and he was like, they sent me home. Uh, 
So I'm in this hotel. I'll, I'm checking in the hotel. I'll call you back. And he never called me back. And I couldn't find him for five days. And I didn't know what he was like traveling from Canada down the way. I didn't even know if he was here or in Canada. I had no idea. And so finally, long story short, I found him and I called. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know if he was had a heart attack. I didn't know. No idea what happened. And so I finally found him, called his nurse. I wasn't on the list. Like, so I couldn't get any information. Uh-huh. Um but when they transferred me to his nurse, it was an ICU nurse. So it was obviously real bad. So anyway, I hopped on a flight, flew out there. He came out of the coma while I was in the air. And he was all the way. I got to his floor. They let me see him. And I got to, his, to the floor and he was all the way at the end in a room that faced the hallway. So I could see him hooked up to like all these machines and all this stuff. And like, you know, they had just taken out the tube and he's in real bad shape. Like he was, he was in critical condition and anyway i'm like there's a little backpack and i'm like no idea what i'm gonna run into and i walk into the room and i'm like hi and his mom and his auntie are standing there who i know about them they don't really know about me and so (laughs) it's a very long story it's my request uh and so i i walk in and and the auntie is like a real spitfire and she's just like full neck attitude. She's like, uh, excuse me, are you a friend of Chris's? And I was like, yeah, yes, ma'am. I'm a really good friend of Chris's. So she's like, all right. And I already knew that was Antoni. I already knew, like I knew all about his family and his mom. She was like, hi, I'm mama. She started crying immediately. And I see her wiping her tears from her face. And I see the nails. This is the first indication, like, this is why he has this fear. I'm like, oh, my God, because I never put it, I didn't know. So anyway, I met his mother, like, over his, you know, body, essentially. Like, he was barely even alive. And that's how, that's the first time that I met his family. So, you know, we have nine below zero. We have ICU. We have a pretty great story. Nice, very healthy, and everybody's good. Yeah, wow. it's so great. I'm so glad that you guys have gotten to spend this time yeah. together. There have been, I I have the guilt too, but these silver linings of the pandemic, I mean, the, the timing that you, you guys just bought that house and now you get to be in it. Although you're like, oh, I'm not going to have any gigs for 10 I don't months. care. I don't care. I don't no. care. Yeah, like, exactly. You can't. There's nothing that we can do. We can be creative about it. You know what I mean? We, yeah. we can do something about it, but it's not going to be as it was right now. And we can either bitch about it and cry, or we can be grateful for what we have and, and switch our focus and say, what an unbelievable gift to have this right now. And like, even just financially, if we had tried to buy a house three months later, our goal, my goal was March. I was like, let's try to buy a house by March. And then my impatient ass, which is really gets me into trouble most times, we went looking at houses in November. And I fell in love with this house. And I was like, wait, I I love it. I hated everything else. I love this sort of how I am. I'm like, no, 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 yes. Like anyway. that's just how I am. And so he was like, all right, let's uh, see what we can do. And December 4th, we closed. And wow. here we are. So if I hadn't been so impatient, we would we would not be in this scenario. So. No, and yeah. everything is going like that. Like, yeah, it's it's insane. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, you know, one of our themes is mental health. 
And I'm so glad that you guys are there for each other during yeah. that because I, I, I've, when I think about the people that were dying before the pandemic hit, I feel like on a higher spiritual level, a lot of people were getting out yeah, because they knew they wouldn't be able to take being quarantined yep. without the mate or whatever. Like my brother would have been miserable in this, yeah. you know, yep. uh, and maybe he would have found, maybe he would have found something good in there. But, you know, I think about you two a lot and I'm just so glad. Yeah. And Chu is just funny. Uh, Mike, Chris Chu is one of these guys. There's a, there's a couple of people. There's two that I can think of off the top of my head. And I almost think they do it to me on purpose. Like when they see me, they don't even say anything. They they look at me in a way that they know is going to crack me up. <laughs> you know, Chu, they just, they just nice, give you the man, look. Nice. And you're just like, I can't wait to meet him. Uh, he's the best. best. Uh, the two of you together and your families and all that is just... Yeah, I just get warm and fuzzy every time I think about it. Yeah, <laughs> Dude, Jen, we all love you so much, and it was so cool to see you during these trace shows. God, it was so cool. Like I can't tell you how many times, just like three dudes standing around, and you're just <laughs> shredding, and we go, "Jen's the shit," <laughs> and it's just such like a everyone said, "Dude, everybody loves you." You you know Thank that, you. right? You're just Thank so. You. It's just the, the t- I mean. Thank it's you. the God. same thing when you're on stage with her, though. Like everything. Sorry to talk about you like you're not here. I gotta <laughs> but, go. I gotta but, go. But you know, like, because I remember times, you know, when, uh, thank, thankfully, you play in my band, you know, uh, when I can get you. And we're all just like, <laughs> good gracious, this woman. It's just, just a incredible. Some people just have, you know, I think the Star Wars thing is such a good, when they talk about the force, like some people are stronger with the force. Like, of course he could do Reiki. Like, <laughs> look at look at her sing. Look at her play trumpet. Look at her exist with other people. You just have this beautiful energy that is, is a... It's just awesome. So Thank I'm you. really Thank glad. Thank you, guys. Yeah, and you look back on this year and you're like, it is kind of amazing how patchwork the bridge from March to now is, and the things that got you from one step to the, it's like you had to wait for the next step to be built. So you could continue trying to figure out how to navigate this year. And, uh, those eight shows that, that Trey announced was something that I think we all were just like, so in need and it got us through that election time Yeah, and through like, and then when, I don't know, like, we all kind of had this, like, what's it going to be? Like, what's the lineup going to be? Is there going to be one night of fish? Is there going to be one night of oyster head? Is there going to be one night of tab? Yeah. Like goes to the forest. Like you had no idea. And then to see what it was and see Russ and Tony and Ray and Ciro, like every night and Jeff and all of you. And then you guys come on the first couple of shows when you weren't there, I was like, what the hell is this shit? (laughs) Patience, Yogo. Patience. Yeah. No, I, I, listen, I think there's so little uh, mystery left besides like the big shit, but like there's so little immediate mystery. Every, everyone knows the answer to everything. It drives me insane. Like how about you just sit back for like one day and wonder, that's okay. You don't have to have the answer. You don't have to be the first one with the answer. You don't need to tell everybody else the answer. You know what I mean? Like we really live <laughs> in that reality where we have to know what's going on and we have to be the first one to tell people and like, Oh, I know that was happening before, you know? And I, 
I live in a world of like, I love surprises and I would rather, I mean, like, I like to also know the surprise. That's fun too. But <laughs> I, you know, there was so much planning that went into this thing. You play for eight nights in a row for two and a half hours a night with no break. And there's going to have to be a lot of planning. Like you don't repeat a song. So he starts backwards. He says the last two nights I want to be tab. And then like, here's maybe like the songs that that wants to be. And then you work backwards. So, so much planning was done so that there could be this, what's it going to be? And like, and we all shut our mouths about it because it's exciting. I love that, you know, for people to, and because you're not charging for it, you don't have to know what it is, bitch. It's free. <laughs> like you don't have to know what you're buying tickets to. You didn't buy a ticket. Well, that's why like we're it. here. We're here for the you know adventure. I mean? Yeah, it's cool. I love that. You know. So yeah. and also like, you know, the amount of people that it reached because it was free was exponentially more than if you had even made it a five dollar stream. You know, it's like the whole point was everybody needs music right now. Let's provide this thing, even though the red tape is insane to make that happen, we, it still needs to happen. And Trey was very adamant about that. He's like, it has to be free. People have to be able to tune in. This is like people are having the worst times of their life right now. Let's give them something that's that they deserve, you know? After He's releasing like a new Fish album, a new quarantine album, yeah. a new live tab album. Yeah. Well, it's, I mean, just the guy... Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and, he and, and not even to mention, he just by he raised over a million dollars for a, a rehabilitation center in Vermont. Yeah, I mean, that was just to see yeah. that final number of over one million dollars for drug and rehabilitation. that was just through the streams. I think you know there have been other donations outside of the stream, but just directly from doing that, people are amazing, man. Yeah, everybody. And and you know what the thing is too, like you said, Oteil, I think it's that it's you're tuned into the the frequency, the love frequency where it's like we're all so grateful that he let us forget about life for yeah. a bit. And we are grateful to that he's healthy and that we're all yeah. kinda, you know, we're all coming out of this even more dented, but healed too. So yeah. we take care of each <laughs> other in this world. And yeah. that's like with us doing the podcast, Oteil and I like I mean, this is something we just, we knew it had to be done. And to yeah. be able to talk with someone like you who makes so many people happy, yeah. ah, it's just an honor, you know? Well, thank you. I, you know, the, the, the love energy is real and also the, the energy of compassion, which is directly standing right next to that love energy. You know, it's like the compassion for everybody's situations and what's what's happening and what everybody needs and and i said you know i i told i told jay when it was all done you know i said in a time where people are so desperately clamoring for some sort of leadership the fact that you show up and say this is how it can be done is such a beautiful and powerful thing mm -hmm. um and i think you know, that's sort of what I'll take away most from it is like, man, what a, what a, what an incredible thing to do and to pull off and to want to do and want to do bad enough that you go through all of that stuff to make sure that it happens properly and safely. And, you know, there's a lot of people involved in that. There's a lot of stuff that has to happen for, for us to safely do that. And, you know, we all have to agree to we're all grateful for the scenario that we're in, you know, like to be able to play music in that moment is really important. And, and 
we all really appreciate it. And so what do we have to do to do this safely? Which means you go to rehearsal and you go back to your room and that's it. And yeah. you get tested a lot. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, and everybody took it seriously. Like you wear a mask, every single person in the beacon that is not in front of a microphone in that moment, you wear a mask. The second you step away, you know what I mean? It's yeah. just a respect issue. It's like, people aren't able to do this right now. We have the opportunity. Let's make sure that we do this right. Um, and and as, a, as a fan of the music that we all are and a part of, I think the thing that always keeps us coming back for more is that in the audience, we look up and we see you guys enjoying it and living for the moment and being in every moment, just like we are. You walk, look yeah. off stage and see us going nuts and someone crying, someone dancing, whatever. This thing, watching the beacon, Otiel, seeing you in Jersey and like the whole thing, everybody knows how pivotal and how momentous each moment is for all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm watching you play on, on Twitch, Jen. And it's like, I could see how like, you're like, we're doing it again. Like, this is awesome. And everyone's got that kind of like, Oh, it's not over. Yeah. And it does kind of feel like there's just like that little <clears throat> flicker of, of heat still in the fire. That's like, yeah, it's not out, you know? And it's, yeah. that was so cool to, to check out. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, to, to, know what was coming in terms of like what each next week held. So we did the ghost of the forest week. We were not supposed to be on that next week. Oh, really? Uh, but no, but we all had such a great time. He was like, you can't leave. No one can leave. Can you stay? <laughs> we're like, yeah, all right. So, you know, so at least rebooked their flight and, you know, we learned a bunch of songs that we, that was a really heavy rehearsal week because that was all <laughs> stuff that we didn't know. We'd never heard of any of those songs. So we learned like 20 new songs in, in two days before rehearsals started. And it was 8 a.m. We'd have a vocal rehearsal 8 a.m. to 2 and then a full band rehearsal 2 to 10. It was like 14 hour rehearsal days. No shit. Like that's not exaggerating Jesus. because we had so much to learn. And so, and we loved it, you know, like, Let's learn. Let's make sure it's right. I don't want to go in there and half-ass it. But then to know that like Tab is the next week and know that everybody thinks that James is still in Hawaii and like know that when the camera pans, it's going to be the full band was like a really exciting moment for all of us. It's like, man, she's back. It's I was wondering that because I, I follow him on Instagram and I kept seeing all the yeah. Hawaii yeah. posts and I was like, well, he's surely he's going to be there, right? Like maybe he can't fly all the way from. So, <laughs> so James is James doesn't like he doesn't play the games. James is very James. He's very cut and dry. He shows up. He does the gig. He goes home kind of thing. And and he's been stuck, <clears throat> stuck in Hawaii this whole time. <laughs> and and it really did start out that way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. We're all like, mm, okay. He's like, well, yeah. I just finally figured if I'm not going to be making money in New York, I might as well not be making money in Hawaii. So yeah. he's paying the same rent to have a house on the beach as he was a studio apartment in Brooklyn. You know what I mean? Like you do the <laughs> totally. math. He was the idiot here. So anyway, but he's not one to like, he doesn't get into any of the little games. And so I knew that he's in a hotel room right down the hall from me. And I see him posting pictures of like this hike, you know, that he's doing in Kauai. And I called him. I was like, bro, are you, are you setting these people up? He's like, yeah, yeah. I got like three more. I got like, three more. I'm going to post in like a few hours like, when tomorrow. I'm like, you're playing the game, dude. I'm so proud of you. He was like having, he was having so much fun. Oh, that's so anyway. great. 
So <laughs> that's, that's, that's just incredible that's to have everybody together. That's what I think we should do with the guilt is like, I realize like, okay, <clears throat> don't feel guilty. You have it really good right now. You're in this deep place like that. I haven't been since I was like 17 or when I first got my six string and took it to Reggie Wooten's house. Yeah. Seeing all this stuff on my instrument, all this crazy stuff is happening. Okay. Like, so go all the way into that and then push, push it out into the music because people need that to heal. That's why you have it good. So you can give it. So you have something to give away, you know? And when I realized that, I was like, okay, enough with this guilt. Let's just go down yeah. the rabbit hole and, and be grateful. Gratitude, 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 you know? Yeah. I think about that with Trey, too. Like, you know, we talk about this, the frequency of love. You know, he went to the dark side. Mm-hmm. All the and, way. Yeah, all the way. Mm-hmm. And I've worked for, you know, since 97 with people that went to the dark side and you know there's very few stories of people coming all the way back yeah and trey you look at you know when i saw him up there just on grateful dead 50 i just had tears yeah because i know him from back then and i know that he and just to see him like now he's like gets it like okay and he's in a position but this great power and, you know, the whole great power, great responsibility yeah. He's totally tuned in on the frequency. It's just, it's, it's beautiful. It's absolutely yeah. beautiful. Grateful to know you guys and to, uh, and be part of that energy, you know? So thank you for always just, I've never known you to, uh, the dark you, <laughs> you know, <or> maybe <laughs> you hit it when you were going through it or I don't think it was really you. I don't know. I, I just, I've always connected with that, you know, that energy with you. And I, yeah. I just, it's, I'm, it's sacred to me. Mm. Yeah. I, I've definitely gone through some, some stuff, um, you know, more b- before we started hanging out, but it certainly made me, uh, there was this period of time where when Trey was getting sober, we didn't speak. I mean, he didn't speak to anybody for almost five years. You know, he was like on house arrest and all that stuff for a year and a half. And then, but like his creeping back into normal life happened really slowly, which I think is also instrumental in his healing and and all of that. And so there was almost five years where we didn't speak. And, and those were the five years where I was like really at my darkest for a a myriad of reasons. Um, And so the first rehearsal that we had back after all of that, after his sobriety, after I was living in Chicago and all this stuff. And, and I sang this song at rehearsal and he ended up driving me back to, there wasn't enough room in the van. And he was like, I'll, I'll drop you at the hotel. So the two of us were in his car then we stopped outside, you know, we haven't seen each other in five years. So we stopped outside the hotel for like probably two hours just sort of catching up and and he was like what have you been doing like what what's that I gave him the whole spiel and whatever and he was like let me tell you something man he's like I hate that you went through that but man you sure as hell weren't singing like that before (laughs) I was like I hadn't thought about it he's like singing like that before shit was all rosy 
Price of love. There's a tab for love, man. You know, the people that I, I always check out, I pay attention to the people that get assassinated for mm-hmm. doing good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's a tab for it. And even if it doesn't kill you physically, you know, but it gives you, it's that whole, the wine. We all love to find wine, but we don't want to be the grapes getting stepped on. Yeah. But that's the only way. Yeah. You know. And you know what's so amazing about about Trey and about a lot of musicians that are able to, like you said, come back from that dark side. There's a certain sense of uh, just honest vulnerability in the yeah. music. Like yeah. there, everything he puts out is so unbelievably vulnerable. And, you know, like Ghost of the Forest was something that, I mean, like that whole theme and the whole project and the whole, you know, celebrating life and the end of it and yeah. and the the the, tran- the the lucid in between and you know I, I that 2019 I spent quite I spent too much time alone on the road mm-hmm. alone in Vegas alone in casinos and malls whatever doing shows and lost someone in my life that it was a tragic loss and um that album was something that was just like I could put it on start to finish and it was therapy it was yeah. just a session and listening yeah. to someone be so open and so vulnerable you know <clears throat> a guy who's known for you know playing all night in big cypress and just ripping through tunes and guitar wizard and all that to now we're all grown up yeah you know yeah. we're all on yeah. the other side looking back at and just to hear like you know everything's right so just hold tight it's just kind of like yeah all right we we trust you so lead the way you know yeah i mean it's it comes with you know wisdom comes with experience right it's like he he's had a whole lot of experience and a whole lot of time to reflect and all that kind of stuff and you know the thing that i find so inspiring about him is like the the he writes so much and you know it's like someone who writes music, like we all go through this. We're like, oh, it's not good enough. Oh, it's not, oh, it's not done yet. It's not, whatever. Like our entire life, nothing is ever done. Like, and I'm sure you feel the same way. It's like, as an artist, we're never done. That, that is never good enough. It's never going to be finished. You know, like you don't go to a nine to five and clock out and whatever. And so his ability, and he says this happened when he turned 50, he's like on my 50th birthday, I kind of just stopped giving a fuck. Like, what other people think he's like it's the greatest thing so i turned 40 this year he goes ah only 10 more years till your life (laughs) and my aunt said the same thing too she's like man when i turn 50 when i turn 50 when i turn 50 and but like again it's like setting this great example of like he's like i'm just gonna put out stuff that i feel i want to put out you know and like people can be so brutal about it you know, but it's like, man, if I don't put it, who, who cares? Like, I'm sorry if you don't like it next. You know what I mean? But like, I don't know. That's like such a fear. I feel like for, for an artist is like releasing something that's like not perfect that I don't feel is perfect. That what if people say something about, well, people say things about everything. So just, yeah. you can either get over it or you can suffer for the rest of your life. But well, I have always said, you know, if I like, if I like it, there has to be at least one other person on earth that likes yeah. it. Yeah. And I, <clears throat> my last record for me was like that. Like I didn't want to put it out. Yeah. My wife kind of pressured me like, 
And I was like, okay. And then the whole way I was like, no, no, I just don't feel (laughs) confident about that. I've just so critical. And the tune that I was the most critical about is the one that one of them, it means the most to me. And I had a Mm. bass student recently. uh, She normally just plays in church, I think. And she goes, I want to ask you about this one song. She was just like, tell me it's my favorite song and this is what I go to. And it was that song. Wow. And I was like, thank you, because now you have to, you should have been practicing what you preach. There's the one person uh-huh. that does like right. it. Right. And now right. I'm probably going to end up doing it on my gig, even though it's another ballad. Like I need more of those. <laughs> <laughs> more slow songs. But, you know, <laughs> it's just like. That's why we get along so well. <laughs> I'm like, I just want to sing stuff at this pace. <laughs> My old guitar player used to go, I said, man, sorry about the, all the slow songs. He goes, oh, my favorite, adult tempos. <laughs> <laughs> Turning 15 is what happens. Turn to a Become okay thing. with the... <laughs> the grown people tempos. That's right. Grown people. Grown, grown folks tempos. <laughs> well, I hate to cut this off, but I just got a text from my wife. I got to go pick up an IG and she's got to go get something like Christmas ham. Something. Oh, okay. Wow. Uh, but I really hope you'll come back and do this again because uh, I feel like I could just keep going for like another. I know. I'm sorry for everyone who's still here. We just oh, started to talk for a really long time. You're amazing. No, no. This, is, this was a long time coming. We've been, we've been like, we got to get Jen on. We got to get Jen on. And then the gig started. So we were like, let's yeah. let Jen finish the gigs. And then, and then you called yesterday and you were like, how was tomorrow? I was like, okay, <laughs> I got nothing going on, bro. It's a total long shot. We were totally thinking about like after nope. the first of the year. And I was like, tomorrow. They, oh, this is going to make yeah. our holidays so much better. Awesome. So, yeah. I miss thank you. you so much, hey, um, Mama. Sarcastic Mike, it was really great to see you again. Hey, anytime. <laughs> um, anytime. I'll sing Tour Up Over You <laughs> with you anytime. <laughs> Drink beers. That's how you know it was a long time ago. I'm not the last time I had a, a beer. thousand, with. maybe. Yeah. yeah. It was a long time ago. <laughs> um, well, happy holidays, everybody. Yeah. I love to all the Burbridges. I sure will. And likewise, yeah. from the Burbridges all yeah, your way. <laughs> All right. Be safe, Jen. Thanks, Thanks. for listening, yeah. everyone. Peace. Bye. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more fantasy points.